Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast. It's time for the view from the opposition. This week it comes from Dan Murphy, part of the Manchester United team down at the Manchester Evening News. You might remember Dan, the last time he appeared was a few days before the Carabao Cup final. Unfortunately, from the perspective of the Everything Is Black and White podcast, it didn't quite go the way Newcastle United fans were hoping, but it's a pleasure to have you back on, Dan. How are you keeping? I'm very good, thank you, mate. And yeah, I think I, I want to say everything I said actually happened in that match. I'm going to go with because it didn't go It wasn't Gomez. I said he was key, and he went off injured, and it all it all went uh, downhill afterwards. But yeah, um, it was a battle of the midfield, and the Manchester United won it, didn't they? No one likes a bragger, Dan. No one likes. No, a I, well, you know what? I deserve to brag because <laughs> I smashed it, and I'm going to do it with pride. <laughs> well, hopefully today, if you're predicting good things for Manchester United, it doesn't ring true on Sunday. Mm. It is a big game and I mentioned on yesterday's episode of the match preview that I mistakenly thought Manchester United were a few more points ahead of Newcastle on the table but in reality they're not. If Newcastle beat Manchester United on Sunday they'll be level on points. They'll actually go above them because of the goal difference. It's a lot tighter than I think many people actually realise. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's just because United have been in such great form. As you said, got the silverware, You know, trophy drought ended after six years. It feels, because it's been such a transformation on last season, you know, the eight points off this total points tally they had last year after their worst ever Premier League finish as well. It's obviously been such a big improvement and the the, the optimism around the club is so high. The excitement is off the charts. You know, one trophy, it's still in the hunt for two more. I think we could definitely say the Premier League's out of the uh, out of the running at this point, uh, but could still win the Carabao I'm sorry, the Europa League, could still win the FA Cup as well as the Carabao Cup. So everything's really optimistic and you can kind of easily forget that the the table, as you as you say, isn't as quite clear cut. That They're in third place, you'd imagine they'd at least finish in the top four, mainly because of the stuttering form of those below them. Um, you know, there's what I'd say, you're just going to say at least, you'd stretch down to six teams at the most, going for two spaces. United, the way they're going, you'd be very surprised if they dropped out. But Newcastle, as you say, have the real chance to go level, um, make things interesting. And, uh, and Tottenham are the ones, uh, as we may touch on in a little bit, who could be uh, shaking in the boots a little bit, given all the turmoil um, it's not even called White Hart Lane anymore. It's well annoying to say the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, but they may well be shaking in the boots down there. Um, given that we've just spoken about the table and how close it is and that many people may have to take a second look just to realise how close it is, what do you think the message will be from Ten Hag to his squad? Do you think he'll be needing to remind his players ahead of Sunday that you know there's no room for complacency because, again, if Newcastle win, they'll go ahead of my night in the table? You know... I think I think I actually mentioned on that last podcast how Ten Hag is, takes every game really seriously, even in the cup competitions, even against when they played mid-table League One teams in Char- Charlton Athletic and they play Championship opposition in Burnley. He rarely ever plays weakened teams in that. You know, you look at City if they played a League One team, all the all the kids will be playing. Um, Ten Hag's not done that once. The most is I think w- one teenager has made the debut this season. Obviously, Ganacho has. Um, earned his spot in the team. He wouldn't really class him as a youngster anymore. The only actual still playing in the youth team player who's made his debut is Kobe Mainu, who looks a real prospect. But that's it, really. He doesn't... He's not one, or at least he hasn't been this season, to take things lightly, no matter the opposition, no matter how down, how far down the pyramid they'll be. So he's raised standards. He's instilled discipline this year. I'd be very surprised if he has to remind them anything. I, I imagine um, he'll be getting their heads right down to it um, when they all return this week. It's... 
the that more difficult thing may be getting his squad into kind of ship shape after the international break. And I don't know if you've noticed, but United have quite a few injuries to contend with, not uh, least of which is Marcus Rashford. Well, that's where I was going to go next with that because there are um, plenty of questions over Marcus Rashford. Some think it's a bit of mind games like it was before the Cowboy Cup final. Well, that was the accusation. Um, obviously, he's missed the, the England uh, duty, the, the two games they've had uh, over the past fortnight being in New York. But my understanding, and you'll correct us if I'm wrong, Dan, he's, he's back in training, but there is still a slight concern to whether he'll be fit and ready mm-hmm. to go on Sunday. Yeah, he has returned to training, but as of yet, and we haven't seen latest pictures over the last couple of days, but since he returned on Monday, he he only had a session on the pitch on his own, individually away from the group, and it was without any ball work. It was purely just, um, you know, shuttle runs and sprints, fitness work. And the only other pictures we've seen since, I believe he tweeted last night, pictures of him in the gym. So there's been nothing on the ball yet, no groundwork or anything. Maybe it's an elaborate ploy to lull Newcastle into some, uh, you know, false sense of security or something. But I don't think so. Like, you know, there's been criticism levelled at him completely absurdly this over the international break because he had the temerity to go on holiday. He was injured. He went off injured against Fulham in the FA Cup. United were, if they were winning, it was only by one goal at that point. They were by no means, I know, I know Fulham had absolutely imploded, but they were still not I mean, you know, straight through in that round just yet. He went, I don't think he'd have taken him off if he didn't have to. He was definitely injured. He went off. He's been injured. He's come back. He's doing running. But I'd, I'd honestly, I think I'd be a bit surprised if he started. I I'd, I think he might miss out because if he, unless he gets picks today or Friday of him in the group, um, you know, doing shooting drills with the team, I'd be surprised if he plays at that, at that point because it is running it fine and you don't want it. The, the biggest fear would be, you know, 65% of United's goals this season have come from Rashford or Fernandez in goals and assists. And I think, for, I want to say, ooh, I'm going to say f- maybe even over 50, but I think around 47 of them have been Rashford alone. United rely on him a whole lot and I don't think they'd risk, for, for as big as a game it is, it is, and it's a massive one, no doubt about that, I don't know if they'd want to be risking him for the rest of the season if they, re, you know, if they made that aggravated that injury further ahead of big, you know, on Thursday the Europa League's back, tough opposition in Sevilla, um, FA Cup semi-final on the horizon against Brighton, which will be no no easy feat either. They won't want to be taking the risk with him, so I'd be quite if he's not hundred percent fit, I'd be surprised if he played. I mean, that would be music to Newcastle United mm. fans' ears if he does miss out. You know, if he just gets on the bench or not even in the squad, who replaces him in the starting eleven? Well, well, that's the question as well because, as I say, United are really quite depleted. Um, Ganacho, who I mentioned there, he's out for a bit of an ankle ligament injury. Um, Marshall, if he's been back in training for a bit now, but still not played, he's had six injuries this season. He's spent more time on the sideline than he's played. He's been earmarked, earmarked to be sold in the summer. Even if he is back and fit, I'd be surprised if he plays. And I'd be surprised if he's fit for starters. Eriksson is still injured, of course. Van der Beek's been out for the season. Sabitza is a doubt um, after getting a bit of a knee problem recently and not playing in Austria's last game. Casemiro, different positions I don't know, of course, but he's suspended and what a loss that'll be. Um, Varane's a doubt he missed the Fulham game with an injury, but I think he'll be back. United are looking to be without eight players there, and that's and important players as well. You know, at least four of the 
guaranteed starting eleven and the maybe the first reserve for midfield. So United are depleted in terms of Rashford's position um, specifically. You'd imagine it would be Jadon Sancho, who of course hasn't been in the best form of late either. Um, had his own kind of fitness and um, kind of mental health problems and stuff like that. Um, his best position isn't on the left wing either. He's usually played better on the right. Then Anthony, if he's fit, you'd imagine would be on the right. And then the only other option they've got is young Facundo Palestra, who's only started one game for United. So it really is like down to the bare bones. And if there's any more injuries between now and Sunday, like United are really going to be uh, going to be struggling. I can hear our audience cheering at mm. your words there, Dan. Of course, Eddie Howe, uh, his mantra is very much focused on what Newcastle are doing. Don't worry about the opposition. But the injury news you've delivered this will certainly help Newcastle United's case. You mentioned there Casemiro. I mean, he's been the difference alongside Rashford uh, for a lot of the games Man United have won where it's been close. You know, he just looks an absolute different class. He's suspended for this game. Uh, what kind of impact will that have on Man United? Well, Tenag will say that they've done well without him and they have to an extent. They haven't, you know, the... Uh... They managed to come back from two down against Leeds. They beat Leeds. This is when he was last suspended. And they lost... Oh, was he injured at that point? He didn't play either way. And then they lost to Arsenal. But I think they did better than many people expected. It was 3-2. It took Arsenal a last-minute winner to win. Um, and they say they did then. They would play that in the game without Casemiro. So they have done... Actually, have done it all right. They beat Liverpool at the start of the season without, before they'd even signed Casemiro. So they have done all right without him at points. But... I think, as I said in that before the final, the battle was in the midfield. It was between, you know, you had Gomez coming back, Casemiro, and then, of course, you have Joe Ellington as well. It was between that midfield and Casemiro was the difference maker. He got that opening goal and it's not, you know, he surprised everyone, I think, with how much contributions he's made going forward. Not only the goals he has scored, he scored quite a few, but he's some, I think, <laughs> I think at Madrid, he never had to do much attacking stuff because he had two of the best midfielders over the last 15 years in Cruz and Modric either side of him to do all that forward passing larky for him. So he didn't really have to do it. But United, the amount of great forward passing he's done is like took everyone by surprise. And that's, of course, additionally to all the brilliant defensive work and leadership that we did know he'd bring. He's a massive loss. They, they just about got past Fulham. You know, that was the last first game of his four-game suspension. That was by no means an easy feat. If it wasn't for Fulham's um, hilarious implosion in that game, you'd imagine Fulham... United didn't look like winning. They didn't look like coming back in that one. Missing out on Casemiro. And as I say, with Ericsson out as well, you know, that Arsenal game I mentioned when he was without him, Ericsson was there. Um, and the other matches, they're missing the first-choice midfield. Sabitzer could be injured as well. And then you, you're looking at Fred and then maybe Scott McTominay starting. And that that midfield pairing has started once this year in the Premier League. And that was the opening day defeat to Brighton. He's done everything. Ten Hag's um, repeatedly moved to not play them together because as years of evidence have shown, it's not a good partnership. It doesn't work. And if them two start on Sunday, I'd be, you know, I'd be uh, sticking a couple of quid on Newcastle, put it that way. Well, again, you're just pleasing our listeners with with your words there, Dan. And I want to speak about McTominay in a moment. Um, but you mentioned there the Fuller game, and we've mentioned you know the race for the top four and how close it actually is. Given Man United's form, does it kind of paper over the cracks a little bit? Do people forget that this is actually still very early on in the project? A little bit like Newcastle United, and, and while Man United might not be as far ahead in the schedule. As Newcastle United are, do you think the fact that they, you know, are, are going so well in the cups, going so well 
in the league to a certain degree, it kind of papers over the cracks of of where they actually are, and it might give a little bit of hope that, i.e., that Fulham game and the performance. Mm. If you're a Newcastle United fan, you, you don't really have to fear too much about them. You know what? I think United fans, Manchester United fans, I keep correcting myself. <laughs> they kind of are unfairly maligned at times because there are so many of them, and obviously when you're the biggest club in the country in terms of supporters, you get fans who maybe detract from kind of the the, the match going fans. You know, I don't want to. To, to, you know, throw anyone under the bus or tarnish everyone with the same brush. But United, as like a fan base, and the you know the Old Trafford attendees and the away fans and people who come um, regularly, maybe not even season ticket holders, but play, play you know a lot of fans. You know, as as a, as a person who lives in the northwest, I actually know a lot of United fans as well. They're they're a lot more patient with managers and stuff than maybe you'd get led to believe by some corners. Like they put up with Mourinho and Van Gaal and it was turgid for most of their reigns for years. And they backed Solskjaer. They only turned on Solskjaer, I want to say, literally at the very, very end when things did become untenable. They, they backed the managers and the expectation has always been with Ten Hag this year. No one expected him to um, launch a title challenge or make everything rosy immediately. The most they wanted was a return. The minimum they wanted, even the most, what's the way to put it? The most they wanted was a return to the top four and maybe, maybe a trophy win if it if it panned out. If not, no, no worries. They got the trophy win already. They're on course to get the top four spot. He's far exceeded expectations. And with that will come naturally risen expectations. But I think that'll come next year and that'll depend on summer. I think... You know, I'd still realise like you didn't see an outcry after the Arsenal defeat. The Arsenal defeat pretty much signalled the end of United's brief flirtation with challenging for the title this year. And you know, there were a few points off City at one point. There was a real possibility they could, you know, make a proper challenge. That's not come to pass because United aren't there yet. As as you know, I mentioned the squad, despite spending a lot, a lot of money on it, no, no doubt about that. And there's been some bad signs down the years before Ten Hag kind of got in the hot seat. The squad is clearly still not good enough to mount a proper challenge. And I think there is an expectation around that. And I don't think, I think United fans tend to be quite realistic. They know that the, the season's been far beyond what they could have expected and they're delighted for that. Ten Hag is not only for what he's done on the pitch, but how he's handled certain situations. Of course, Cristiano Ronaldo's um, exit being the most prominent one, but also discipline given to even Rashford when he missed a team meeting and little occasions like that. He's solidified his spot in the in the club so much that he's almost no he's not above criticism no one is he's he's made some weird decisions at times tactically and whatnot no one's above that and he's admitted so himself he's had to make half-time changes to turn things around um Weghorst is a sore issue for some supporters even though he's doing a good job in what he's asked to but obviously he's not the best striker in terms of sticking the ball in the back of the net no he's he's not above criticism but he's It'll be constructive. I don't at this moment in time, and certainly for a while to go. It certainly feels like a, you know a decade of searching. They've finally found the Ferguson replacement, and I imagine most United fans would want him to try and do a reign of Ferguson's length and of certainly of a certainly of success. I you know United, as we kind of touched on, the the optimism's been so good that maybe you do think they're a bit better than they are. But I do think there's a realistic kind of mindset amongst most of supporters obviously you'll get people on Twitter saying they're the best team already etc and so on but that's part of the course for social media I think for the majority there's an expectation that they're not ready to win every game yet there could be slip ups Newcastle are a talented side they're going into it 
um, down to the bare bones. As I say, I don't think there'll be massive outcries if they win because Newcastle have shown themselves they're a, they're a very talented team capable of hanging with the best of them. Drew with United earlier this season and you know it was only Newcastle's own weird predicament, I'd say, and going into that final that maybe you know ensured they didn't turn up as people might have expected. Yeah, I mean, the, the final for me, as I mentioned on, on yesterday's episode, um, was a little bit frustration in, uh, for, from my point of view in the, in the aftermath that Newcastle United were just average. They were okay and they didn't really push Manchester United to a to a high level and Man United mm-hmm. just took their chances. We saw, as you mentioned there, with the, the, the draw at Old Trafford and Newcastle argued we should have won that game. So I think Sunday is going to be really, really close and um, I'm really interested to see how Manchester United deal with Alexander Izak. He's been away on international duty with Sweden. He's, he's had a good good week. He really looks like the player Newcastle United signed in the summer. He's had a torrid time with injuries, but he, he you know he's he's in the right place at the moment. Excellent against Nottingham Forest. For me, man of the match in the final against Manchester United. He should have started against Manchester United. No, Eddie Howe hasn't had got many things wrong in my opinion, but he got that one wrong. Man United looked like they couldn't handle him in the in the final. So I'm really intrigued to see how they deal with him. Um but he's kind of a, a striker who likes the ball at his feet and likes to run at the defense rather than someone who kind of holds it up. Will I mean how are my United centre backs going to deal with him, do you think? It is is it the fact that he he's not really a hold the, the ball up kind of striker, mm. does that play into their hands a little bit? Um interesting. Like United centre back, you know, this is a centre back partnership that has shipped a lot of goals. Thirteen United and City alone in two games, so it's by no means kind of above reproach or unsurmountable or anything like that. But Martinez and Varane should Varane play, of course, which I think he will. His knock, his was just a knock a couple of weeks ago. Have formed a really good partnership, commanding one, and it's almost like um, the classic centre back. You know, how you get that little and large kind of strike forces that that stereotypical um, kind of strike partnership. You've kind of got a little bit of that with the centre backs here, where you get the aggressor. The presser, the the guy who's going to go and snap your ankles, and and that, this is not to downplay Martinez because he's a very classy player on the ball as well. But in the tackle, isn't he's a, he's ferocious. He's a warrior. He will go and make fair tackles, but you you know you'll know he's there, so to speak. Whereas Varane is the the classy kind of sweeper almost. Um, who you know commands the back line, stays, keeps the line, and sweeps up. So it's quite interesting. You know, Isaac's really really good. I should say it's been a shame for him that he's been injured. For most of the season, he looked really good before that injury, didn't he? And he's just coming back now. It's going to be intriguing, as I say. I think it's more what the problem would be for United is that midfield when they haven't got Casemiro there to protect them against the, you know, the assaults from Joe Ellington and Gomez. Isaac may, you know, if they completely focus on Isaac, then you've got Joe Ellington and Gomez going into space. And honestly, I'd like to know the odds because I think Newcastle, you know, we'll find team news out properly on Friday. They might. You know, with Ten Hag's press conference, we'll we'll know who's probably have a clearer idea of who's fit and who's not, and how United could line up. But we know Casemiro's not going to be there. It's a massive loss, and I do I do fancy Newcastle's chances. You know, I think I was wrong on one thing on the last time I was on. I thought the final would be a good game, and it sadly turned out not to be, didn't it? Bit of a damp squib in the end. But this one, this one looks like it could be a bit more open because United are going to, you know, down, are depleted, as I say, Newcastle, in contrast to what they were at Wembley, are at full strength now, they've got Nick Pope back, of course, Gomez fit, he, he is fit, I presume, I've been praising him so much, Um, yeah, Gomez is fully fit and back, Isaac fully back and starting, It's this is going to be 
more in Newcastle's favour. It's a shame that we've not actually been able to see both teams at full strength go tilt to tilt yet because no, maybe they'll just cancel themselves. Maybe it'll just be boring because you know the first, the the old Trafford one was pretty boring. So I'm I'm talking it up again and I'm going to be wrong for a third time in a row for all that bragging early on. But I do, I do get the sense that this game will be a little bit open and then probably a bit more end to end, especially as I say, if it's a midfield of McTominay and Fred. Yeah, I mean that midfield's going to be really interesting and. Joe Linton's missed the last two games through suspension, but he's back. And I think the the opinion is that he'll be straight back into the side, but it's just where, you know, he's performed really well in the middle, but who does he come in for? Because Joe Willick has found some unbelievable form in, in recent weeks before that international break. Um, so I can't see him coming in for Joe Willick. Does he come in for Sean Longstaff? Would be my choice, but then that means Bruno would have to drop deep and become that defensive anchor, which then isn't what you want because Bruno going forward is, is something else. Or does Joe Linton go out onto the left and replace, um, you know, Alan St. Maximum out on the left? It's another possibility because I don't think he'll play him on the right because Jacob Murphy has, has earned his spot there. Um, you've also potentially got Anthony Gordon coming back, which is which is another option. We're not too sure on Miguel Almiron, but I don't think he'll be fit enough to start. But then with Eddie Howe, we never know um, the actual truth sometimes when it comes to injuries. But Joe Linton's the big one, and I feel he'll definitely start. And just with my United missing Casemiro, I think that hands Newcastle United advantage in that midfield battle because Bruno, as I mentioned, different class. Joe Willick in brilliant form, the international break in many ways came at the wrong time for him. And then Joe Linton back. You know, they could they could they could run wild to a degree. And you've mentioned there Fred and McTominay are the likely starters. Doesn't really work for Manchester United. Um, would you like to give us a bit more insight into into why, especially given the strong, strong links Newcastle United have got to McTominay with a potential summer no. transfer? <clears throat> Maybe it's because they played together so much when United were bad under you know, under tumultuous managerships and the like, but it's just never worked because they're quite, quite similar in certain ways. They both, they both need an anchor next to them to kind of tell them what to do. I find, and when they're both next to each other, none of them, neither of them, are telling the other what to do. I find they're both. Fred has kind of improved a fair bit on a Ten Hag, and he's delivered good, big performances in big games, especially. I'm going to say the Barcelona match they won and maybe the City game when they won the derby. Yeah, I think it was the derby. He did really well in that as well. He kind of has a lot of the energy and tenacity to work when he's got Casemiro next to him. International teammates as well regularly start together for Brazil, keeping Gomez out of the team a lot of the time as well, no doubt. So they them two do quite work quite nice together, even though Fred still inconsistent. He can have a worldy one game and then just do the weirdest stuff you've ever seen the next, some of his passing and misses and stuff like that. Whereas McTominay, he's probably one of the few players this season on, who haven't, who hasn't really kicked on much, or at least noticeably under Ten Hag. He's started one game since the 6-3 defeat to City on October 10th in the Premier League. Um, and that was that defeat to Arsenal, which I mentioned, which he did do actually, actually do all right in. But again, he had Ericsson next to him. And it, it's always... You say they started once together. The the pairing started once together in the league. The opening day of the season defeat to Brighton. United were dreadful that game, and then I think they've started two more in cup competitions against lesser sides. Ten Hag clearly doesn't trust that partnership, and and for good reason. It's just there's just a lack of technical proficiency there when you've got them both. It's okay having one, 
because they do they've got McTominay as you asked specifically got a lot of good energy and a lot of I don't want it to sound kind of derider it but I don't passion you know passions are you, know, you can't really quantify it or anything it's not really a, a proper skill but he brings that fire might be a better way to describe it like that that oomph to team sometimes it's like the Roy Keane kind of mentality maybe without the Roy Keane um, quite to the same level as talent he has he has quite a good kind of energy he brings and fire and he's a big lad 6'4 he brings he does have a lot of good attributes to scrappy games and um, he can deliver and as, as we've seen for Scotland this week out of nowhere when he gets inside the box he, he can get a goal every now and then he's a presence in that box he's good at kind of going forward um, but sometimes I imagine if they're a duo he'll be tasked with being the holder and he's just not that good at it he's not not the most kind of disciplined in his positioning and as I say the pair of them they're not the most technically proficient you can Casemiro never misses miss, never misplaces a pass you give him the ball he's pinging it left right centre likewise with Ericsson so so good on the ball so good in possession and as you know United were so bad for so long it's because they didn't have that in midfield Fred and McTominay they're just not reliable on the ball and are easily caught out I say you can get away with one of them as long as the up you know the world class midfielders next to them can't, you can't do it with the both. So it wouldn't surprise me if they don't actually start. No, I've said all that. It wouldn't surprise me if Ten Hag put Fernandez there, actually, and change well, things up. I usually ask our guests on this episode about the weakness of their, their team. And it sounds like if Fred and McTominay start, I'm assuming you're going to say that's the that's the weakness and Newcastle can Mate, take advantage of. Definitely. Like, as I say, individually, the decent players. And, you know, I don't think he's better than any midfielder Newcastle would currently start. But he'd be a good squad player for Newcastle, no doubt. He's and that's probably it might be a bit more his level rather than, you know, not to say United were at that level for the last four years anyway, but if United want to kind of kick on and properly challenge for the title, McTominay's not going to feature much in that. He's a good squad rotation player, he's quite versatile. He can play high in midfield, low in midfield to an extent, even centre back he's done a fair few times for Scotland. So he does have qualities. I don't want to certain I've been writing quite a lot over the last international break and criticising him quite heavily and saying he's probably the one player not improved I'd say and should probably be sold and whatnot. I feel quite bad because he's clearly a, a good character and there there are a lot of qualities there. It's just not of the technical side. And I'd say the pair of them together, I'd be worried for Manchester United. And that's why I could, wouldn't be surprised if he did try and he'd hinge on Rashford being fit, of course, and every and Sabitzer perhaps. You know, Sabitzer might be fit. If Sabitzer's fit, it could be Sabitzer and Fred, which works pretty well so you know I might have discussed all this for nothing but it won't surprise me if he does what he can to try and not make that partnership have to play I could see Fernandez moving deeper and maybe Sancho in that attacking midfield role instead but again so much hinges on who's available and who's not because if Sabitzer's playing it's not it's not as much of an issue if Rashford's fit the, the way around it it'll, it'll all hinge on on that injury list it's interesting that you say there that you know Newcastle might be more McTominay's level because if Newcastle finish even if they finish in the top <laughs> six, you know, it, it, the the next few years they're going to be one want to, to be on the same level as Manchester United. They're going to be wanting in five six years' time to be competing for the same honors, the same titles. You know, it could have, you know, we're, as we've seen this year, you know, got the final and all that. So, what what you said there is quite interesting because the the reaction to that link has been overwhelmingly negative. Now, me and my colleague, Aaron Stokes, have kind of said, you know, we're not against it. We're, we're quite for it. You know, he looks a decent enough player. But after listening to you, I'm going to uh, 
take the right to maybe change my mind down because you've put us off slightly. I'm just I'm just intrigued by that that level comment because if it's not good enough for Manchester United, then yeah, you're is right. it good enough for Newcastle United? I think United they're going to spend you know Newcastle mate as well, um, but I think Newcastle I think United, Manchester United are looking mainly because the improvement they've had this year and you know let's be honest United Manchester United are obviously more well set up. I, I know Newcastle are well back now, don't get me wrong, but Manchester United are more set up to immediately go and challenge right at the top. And when I say the same levels, I think Newcastle, you say, clearly could finish top four this year. But I think you're probably still at least two seasons off a proper title challenge just because City is so far ahead. And I think United are a bit more ahead of that just because, you know, no disrespect to Eddie Howe, he's done a great job, but I wouldn't say he's a Champions League level coach, personally. Ten Hag is. He's got, you know, was a whisper away from getting to the final. United are just, I would say, maybe they've leapfrogged you a little bit. I should say Newcastle started earlier, but I think they've taken everyone by surprise with how much they have progressed this year. But I think United are just a notch above. I think United next year, should they get Kane, which they want, or Bellingham, which they're not going to get, but, you know, God loves a trier. I think United, Manchester United, are on the verge of wanting to challenge for the title, which I think is just a notch above you just yet. And I'm not saying... I say McTominay's got his issues for that level of team, and United Manchester United want to play a style of football that doesn't suit McTominay. I think you play a style that suits him more, a bit more direct, a um, bit more physical, shall we say? You know, big strikers. And I'm not saying you don't have lovely players as well, but I would also say, as I said at the start, I don't think he'd start for you. He'd be um, he'd be behind Joe Ellington, he'd be behind Guimaraes, um but I think where your biggest problem this year has been has been your squad depth. You haven't had that much good... You know, you say Willock's kind of come into his own. Well, play to him and long staff as well. But I'd say your squad depth isn't the best. You go past your starting 11, you're losing a little bit. And that's... that's. But McTominay, a player who has won trophies, has got big, very high-level experience, could could be a good addition. Um, I don't I don't want to kind of downplay Newcastle because I should say they're both going in the same direction. I just think next season... You know, you could Newcastle could not finish in the top four this year. Your aim next season would be finishing the top four. I suppose that is the same for United. But I imagine they will finish in the top four, and then their type, their aim next year is challenging for the title. So they're just a bit ahead of you in the uh, evolution, I suppose. Given and I'm taking everything you've just said there, but given where I'm assuming Newcastle United would like to be, you know, if not on that level, heading towards that level. Would it make much sense for Manchester United to cash in on McTominay to Newcastle United? Well, that, yeah, that is a good point. You know, why sell to a rival? Um, you've seen City do it this year, selling Zinchenko and Jesus to Arsenal, and that's coming back to, to bite them a little bit. But, you know, if someone's going to offer money for him, and, you know, United want to spend quite a lot of it in the summer once again, and, you know, who knows? United's situation so so in flux at the minute with the ownership situation. We have no idea what the you know where, where everyone's going to be standing in the summer anyway, and and I, I do want to add there's no there's no kind of noise yet from United at least that McTominay's for sale or anything. The three players we know who've been earmarked to be sold at the minute is Marshall, Harry Maguire, and Alex Telles, who's out on loan anyway. I'd imagine there'll be more departures here and there. Some of the players are out on loan, but there's been no rumblings, from my understanding as of yet, of McTominay wanting to go. He's contracted to. 2025, I want to say, um, maybe even longer. So there's no there's no rumblings of that. But when you look at the lack of playing time he's had, I'd say only one league start since October. What's that now? Five months. 
you can, you know, if he wants to play, you can put two and two together. I say, as we've seen for Scotland, you know, two goals against Spain and two goals in the game before. There's talent there, and there there is a good player there. I don't think he suits what United want. United want in their midfielders, good technical players, get on the ball, pass it well. That that isn't what McTominay is. He's more physical, more energetic, more um, more of a driving force. Um, and it's just not, and that, you know, that's fine. There's different tools for different jobs, isn't there? And it'd be no slight on Newcastle, I think, if he went to United. As you say, it might even be a benefit to him to get him further up the table. But I don't know. It'd be, I'm, inter- I'm, I'm interested to see what happens with Tomney because United are looking to add in the midfield again this summer. So that'll push him even further down the pecking order. I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued to see where he does end up because I, I do think he's good enough to be still in the Champions League, Europa League level. I'm not saying he's a. You know who's down at the bottom of the table, Wolves or anything like that, or Southampton. He's he's above that, but I, I I'd be I'd be intrigued to see him, see him in a team that does suit him more. If that makes sense. I guess so. When you just mentioned those two teams, the question would be: Is he better than a Ruben Neves? Is he better than a James Ward-Prowse? Not like no, like players, but, but same position. Players, yeah. yeah, I say so. Neves and Ward-Prowse technical passes. They'd suit United better than McTominay would. He's 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 a big lad, you know. He's physical and he's. He's done. He's just very energetic. I see him as like a, um, you, you know, and there's a place for that in teams. You know, United had like John O'Shea and Parji Sung. That might be a good comparison. Reminds me a bit of Parji Sung, just energetic runner, does the job in those sort of games. Like the Arsenal match, he did quite well. He, you know, Arsenal are obviously a very good team. He did really well, and you know they were unlucky to lose that. Um, but he needs someone good next to him, as I say, that Casemiro, that Eriksen. And I say if they both start. Uh, against Newcastle, I'd be whacking a few bob on, on, on Newcastle. There we have it. Just before I get your score prediction then, Dan, you briefly mentioned there the takeover situation. Newcastle United fans have been on that journey for uh, many, many months, years, uh, the journey until the uh, the new owners came in, or the current owners came in and bought the club. Um, is it a distraction on, on the pitch or are things kind of just going at, at, as you would expect and, and the noise isn't really getting into the dressing room and onto the training ground? No, I, I think... No, I think it's same old. I think the the difference with Newcastle is that it's a not in stature, but in terms of league table, it's a small a club getting the big takeover, like City were when they had the takeover. I think how the, those kind of takeovers can be distracting is that the players that are in the changing room, when an owner is coming in who can spend billions, and they're, they're immediately getting linked with stupidly, you know, you know, Newcastle were linked with Mbappe, weren't they, and all that sort of crazy stuff when. Um, the Saudis took over that's obviously not going to happen but the players who are already there are thinking oh no they could go and sign 11 players tomorrow and my spot I could not be here in the summer why should I you know maybe you know if I'm not going to play last year why do I care now and I'm sure that's not the case because a lot of players you know Eddie Hare's done a really good job with a lot of players who were already at Newcastle before the takeover as it was anyway but I can see it being more of a distraction at a club who are making such a big jump rather than United, where nothing's going to really change in their predicament. It's not like United don't spend hundreds of millions of pounds every year anyway on new players who could take the spot. I think it's yeah part of the course. Ten Hag's been said, you know, it's nothing to do with me. Club's job, I've met them, shook hands, all good. I'm not really bothered. Just concentrate on the pitch. And I imagine that'll be the same for the players. Right then, how is this one going to go on Sunday? You know, it's, you know, I think I was pretty on the fence last time as well. But I, don't, I do think I went for Manchester United, so I was right. But this time, as I say, hinges so much on the injuries. If Sabitzer is back and Fred Sabitzer and Fred play, and if Rashford's in, 
I do think... You know what? It's hard with this after an international break as well because there's obviously no form going in. Um, they both won the last game before the break. I do fancy Newcastle. You know, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go two one Newcastle. Why was that? I don't know if that's ever happened against when we've had a top team uh, view from the opposition. I don't well, think see, I'm, I'm not a fan of Manchester United, so I'm not going in with like personal bias. I'm just see the cold hard facts and, and you're keeping a professional. Effort. That's exactly. what I like. Always, always. I said on yesterday's episode, I'm going to go for a draw. Speaking to you, Dan, you've you've perked me uh, me up. You've, I, I definitely think Newcastle United could win this now, actually. So um, all depends on the injuries, I say. Exactly. As I say. But I'm going to stick with I'm going to stick with a draw, and um, if, it, if Newcastle United end up winning, I'll be uh, I'll happily take that result. Thank you very much for providing the insight into Manchester United. We'll be bringing you Eddie Howe's press conference on Friday morning through our live blog, and then, of course, coverage of the game through our dedicated live blog on Sunday. Head over to chroniclelive.co.uk for all the latest Newcastle United news, and hit that like button and subscribe button on YouTube, and we'll be back later in the week. Thank you very much for tuning in. <laughs>